Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. Welcome to the July 3rd, 2018 edition of Homeschooling Help with Andrea Schwartz, sponsored by the Calcedon Foundation. And along with me for the next half hour or so is my co-host, Nancy Wilk. Hi, Nancy. Good morning, Andrea. I always like to tell you morning. That's true, because she knows it's morning for me. I'm halfway done with Monday. She's halfway done. Okay, so I think it's appropriate that our topic today has to do with something that maybe some of you aren't all that familiar with called IEPs. And an IEP is an individualized education program that's usually designed by some school official that is meant to lay out a program for a child with additional needs or special needs that don't fit into the normal regular everyday student. So there are a lot of issues surrounding IEPs. Nancy, you actually brought this topic up. Why don't you share why you think it's an important topic to discuss? Sure. I do think it's an important topic to discuss because we know that there are students that um, really legitimately would qualify as special needs um, but there's others that maybe have been labeled in one way or another and then need this IEP. And a lot of times people might want to homeschool their children or be thinking about it. But because of the IEP and the special needs, it really scares people off. And so there's there's a, a, an additional layer of the parent sense of inadequacy and um need to have other more professionals involved. So as I think about that, you know, Andrea, an IEP, a special uh, or an individualized education program, my first thought is, well, doesn't God do that with all of us anyway? You know, so, um, you know, I just want to talk about that and um, just get your, get your, thoughts on that how would you um how would you approach the IEP student okay so you you made an excellent point when you said aren't we don't we all need individualized attention from god well we do he he treats us as his people in a personal way that's what we talk about having a personal god who interacts with us as a person when you start talking about educational programs you're really talking about a jurisdiction. So whose jurisdiction is it in terms of the education of the child? Is it the parent? Is it the church? Is it the state? Is it the school itself? Is it some bureaucrat, right? So the reality is that God gives specific children to to specific parents. And God expects all of us to know his law and apply it through every area of life and thought. 
And so the parent who is in charge of, and whether or not you send your child to school or not, God still holds you accountable, has to have, if we've talked about before, a plan in mind. What is it that is my expectation? So when we decided to talk about this, I contacted a woman who I've known for years, who sort of is a specialist in helping families with children with special needs, whether it's autism or it's uh, a health issue or it's something that they were born with like Down syndrome or whatever it is. And I said to her, first of all, I invited her to come on, but it wasn't feasible for her with this time schedule to do so. I said, what do you think about IEPs? And she texted back, I hate IEPs. It's a (laughs) lot of money spent for minimal standards. So okay. keep in mind what an IEP does. <clears throat> the, the person who is evaluating the child has some standard in mind. And then the child is graded or evaluated based on that standard. And then a program is done to bring the child to that standard. Well, how many of us like the standards of the public schools? Raise your hands. <laughs> Right, right. My hand's not going up. I don't think your hand's going up. First and foremost, there is not a sense of the child's responsibility to God and his word. So that's not going to factor in. Even if you are fortunate enough to have someone who's helping you with your IEP, that person's going to be governed by what the standards he or she has to measure up to because a special needs child gets special attention, which means more funding, which means that now we've got more people deciding whether or not this is working. And we have more people wanting uh, to be motivated by that um, extra money, right? So they may be, um, it's kind of like the, the, um, you got to pay attention to who's selling something, you know, what are they selling and why, if the goal is for the school is to have more money, then they're going to want more students on IEP when really your child might just need to not need meds or IEP. They might just need to be the kid that God made them to be when they're four years old. Or the kid God made them to be when they're 15 years old. I read a very interesting essay today, and it was all about false witness. Now, the example that was used wasn't what I was expecting. The example was, you have a group of 10-year-old boys playing baseball, and the four-year-old says, I want to play too. And now he has to be included. So now the four-year-old is playing with the 10-year-olds. The 10-year-olds no longer can play the way they were playing because clearly they could dominate the four-year-old and the game is over Mm -hmm. because it's not fun to play anymore. Who's been lied to? Who's been lied to is the four-year-old who thinks that he can get into any game and it's all going to work. Well, our society continues to lie to people. The person who isn't a super athlete, is still going to get a trophy because he showed up. The person who will never be um, a mathematician or a research scientist is told you can be anything you want to be. First of all, that's not true. So 
we need to look at our children realistically and we also need to look at them in the totality of their being. They're not just future grammar and math and writing machines. They are eternal beings made in the image and likeness of God. And our responsibility is to steward their lives until such point as they are going to be self-governing. So having this external evaluator basically chaining you to a program. And what a lot of people don't know is if you get involved with an IEP and you decide you don't want to do it anymore, well, the purse strings are cut off and maybe someone will decide that you are not a fit parent because the experts think your child needs a specific thing that you don't agree with. Right. Wow. Wow. So that's another one of those um, false, false, uh, I don't know what to call it. Um, well, it, it's an aspect of human, of humanism that says this, you know, your kid fits in this block because box, because we're the professionals that say so. Right. That's humanism. Yeah. yeah. The That's professionals what. currently say it takes 12, maybe 13 years for someone to be ready for higher education or to be an adult. That wasn't always the case. If you go back in history, there were people 13, 14, 15 who were actually teaching. They had learned what they were supposed to learn and now they were in a position to teach. Well, the longer we make the, the whole journey, the more we can control the population. And then of course, if we keep people in school forever, then we can control the conversation in terms of what they're learning and how they're learning. And so it's really a freedom issue. And it goes back to who did God give the children to? And even if the parents decide to delegate some of that authority, they're going to be held accountable for where they place their child. And it also um, is a false standard of success. Mm -hmm. Because just look, at all, just look at all the bachelor's degrees and master's degrees who are making great lattes at Starbucks. Right, right. And the teachers that can't get a job teaching because they don't have the specialized, um, the, the specifics of the special education needs students. Right. So this is all a licensing issue. You've got to be licensed. I mean, you've got to be licensed to cut hair. You've got to be licensed to teach. You have to have all these licenses. Who's giving out the licenses? Are they godly people who fear God and keep his commandments? And so it can be scary for someone to say, so I have a child who's delayed, or I have a child who's not acting the way other kids his age act. I'm not saying you don't go for help, but you go for help where people are going to respect your jurisdiction as a parent and they're there to minister to you as opposed to legislate what you're supposed to do. And there's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's say we're, that we have a mom listening and her, um, her child She's trying to avoid those labels. She doesn't want an IEP. She doesn't want her kid to be labeled special needs because maybe he's just a boy, you know, and the boy doesn't fit in the classroom the, the same way that the little girls do. Um, so 
so we need to then homeschool that child. But but maybe there are there are circumstances in the child's life that are are legitimate and real, and mom doesn't know how to navigate them outside of what she understands as as normal. You know, how do we proceed with that? Right. So you're not an expert in this because this is the first time you've encountered it. Start doing research. No one has any excuse nowadays not to be able to find out information. If you don't have your own computer and you don't and you don't get online, you can go to a library. There's so many ways that you can find out. And I have discovered when I have a problem I'm trying to solve or I have a question about something, I type it right in like my question. What do you do with a child who continues to wet his bed, let's say at eight years old? You type that into Google and you're going to get a lot of reading material that day. You might get videos. You might get audio podcasts. We live at a time where information is accessible. So you're not qualified, get qualified. You start talking to people who you trust, people in your church, and they'll tell you, oh, I know someone who does this or she's great. She's helped my child a lot. And then you start picking off all the individual things to try. You may run into people who don't all agree with each other. That's not a deficit. That's a positive. That means God wants you to evaluate. So how are you going to evaluate? Well, you're going to evaluate by looking through what the proposed program is and see how it lines up with your philosophy of parenting, with your mandate from God on what's important. And so it, it doesn't matter that you don't know now. After a month, you'll know a month's worth more than you know now. Mm -hmm. Right. And so your child is not being um, left behind. Your child is not being um, underserved. The whole family is having opportunity to live and grow and work and think in terms of this God's call in their life. God's standard for their life and what does that look like in very, very practical ways. So we, we don't need to disconnect these things. And, and too many times we do disconnect them and don't even realize that, that that's happening. What we say we believe we so often um, don't, don't recognize when we misapply it. Moreover, sometimes we're afraid of success. Because it's easier to have a problem. If mm. I can say, oh, you just don't understand what it's like having a child like this. Then people go, oh, yeah, that's hard. You know, what you should do is you should just put them in school because that'll be easier. And they know how to handle things like that. Well, mm. yeah, you could do that. It's not the most responsible way because you're giving up an awful lot, sometimes more than you even know. I'll give you a great example of an older woman being able to help a younger woman. And if there was more of this that existed within the community of believers, there wouldn't be the need for experts. So there, we a church I was attending. There was a family that had a little girl that wouldn't eat. She wouldn't eat. Mm -hmm. And they were bribing her to eat. And, and, you know, something was wrong and they were taking her to a psychologist and the psychologist was giving her food therapy and, you know, it was on and on. And I looked at him and said, is it because she doesn't like food? 
And the mom said, no, I actually think she's doing it because she's being stubborn. I said, oh, well, that's would be my first guess. You know, gee, your child is a sinner. Let's be amazed at that. Right. I said, I have a suggestion. This was a Sunday. I said, you're going to go home and you're going to eat. Right. Yeah. She goes, but she won't. And just say, okay. so you give her the opportunity to eat and then tell her she needs to go to bed because you're so concerned that she is not going to have enough energy to play and you don't want her to get sick. And she said, what? I said, do that and do that for a couple of meals and see what happens. The next Sunday, she said, well, that problem's done. <laughs> wow. Wow. Right? Now, would that work with all kids at all times? No, not necessarily. But I just had a suggestion because you know what? I was that child who wouldn't eat. And that's mm -hmm. what my mom did. Mm -hmm. So okay. Yeah, it worked. Now, will it work for everybody? Not necessarily, not necessarily. But let me tell you this, that the more you talk to women who've had children who were difficult or, um, you know, we used to joke with my older daughter that had she been in school, she would have been the Ritalin poster child. Oh, I would have had so many talks and so many invitations to come to the principal and put her on Ritalin. You know, she was outspoken. She was a little difficult at times, incredibly smart. Right. And so we worked around that. If I said, we're going to read this book by Charles Dickens. And she'd say, I love this. I want to read all his books. I'd go, okay. Now she could never have done that in a school setting. Right. When she was um, not in control of herself, we talked about self-government and how, even if it's harder for her than it might be for someone else, this is what you do. You see, this is why it's such a shame that so many women have entered the workforce after they've raised their children. Now, I realize some need the money, but most of them don't. They're, they're looking oftentimes what they're supposed to do with themselves. They'd be such a resource to younger moms and be able to say, oh, I know a person who helped someone else. And you start networking people together. And again, with Facebook, I'm always amazed <laughs> at people I know who never would have known each other, who were chatting with each other on Facebook. Obviously I was a common denominator at some point or someone else was. And now they're talking about when they're in that part of the world, can they visit, etc. So we really do have a super highway that will allow us to connect with people. And, you know, if the expert who has helped someone else is in Georgia and you are in Canada, gee, you we could, could do it now. you could make a phone call. You could be on Skype with each other. Right. Okay. So what I've heard so far is that if a mom with a special needs or IEP child is considering homeschool, they don't need to be anxious about that IEP. It doesn't take a super level of um, extra layer of specialization. It is often just uh, connected to state money. And um, then another thing that that mom needs to do is to check their heart and make sure that they're not just kind of hiding behind that as a, as a way to um, excuse themselves for, from the responsibility. Next thing they need to do is to Google or look around their community for um for resources to help them become the expert on their child. 
you know, actually the mom and dad, they already are the experts on their own child because that's the kid God's given you. And we have to trust that and recognize that his grace is sufficient for that. And that that's not a mistake. You didn't get a special needs child by accident. And um, so that that's a, that's a huge thing too. But so, um, so now what about those students that really, really do have um, real physical, legitimate special needs like the Down syndrome children or the paralyzed child or one that's um, just really medically um, unstable? How about those children in terms of homeschool? So those children need the same kind of love and care, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I know one family that when the child was born, they knew she had problems with her eyes. She got to be 16 years old and she went totally blind. So they knew that was likely to happen. And so they started her learning Braille ahead of time. Um, instead of saying, oh, this is not normal, we must go to an expert, we just say, okay, this person can't see, this person can't hear, this person is very sensitive to texture or noise or whatever, and then you become the resource for your child, but guess what? At 10, 15, 20 years, now you're the resource for other people, you will be the go-to person that people come to because you have researched it. And it's not that there aren't valuable pieces of information, but trust me, you can read the same books the quote unquote experts have read and then decide, is this something worth doing? Or do I think this is a bunch of malarkey? You know, a lot of times it may be a bunch of malarkey. And so use the resources and go out and hunt for the treasure. It's out there because God would never have given you that child if it didn't turn out that um, he wanted you to deal with it. Now I see we have a question here. Someone said, Charles Roberts is asking, since many churches aim to appeal to a younger demographic and in which there are few or no older women, how can a woman and mother share her gifts and ministry with younger women who would benefit from it? What are her outlets for doing that? Well, I'm glad you asked Charles because this is an outlet for doing this. Um, as a result of somebody seeing this, and I hope anybody who sees it shares it, Nancy's accessible. I'm accessible. We both know a lot of people. Uh, we're in touch with um, other Christians who either have homeschooled or are currently homeschooling. We had a situation locally with uh, a child who had been in the public school and had an IEP, but her parents didn't like the kind of teasing she was getting, the kind, and, and she was such an outgoing little girl. And they were squelching it. So they were in a position to put the girl into private Christian school. And they liked it. But the girl's teacher said she would do much better with individual attention and encouraged the family to homeschool. Well, wow. it was difficult because there were financial consideration. Both parents were working. And now the, the woman was thinking of putting the child back in public school, but the IEP had expired and she needed to go ahead and get another IEP. And they were just about to start that process. And by God's grace, I was there. And I said, ask your mother to help. Your mother homeschooled you. Maybe she will help you. And mom did. And this little girl has, I mean, 
It's challenging to be around her because she's got so much energy and she doesn't have the same social conventions you might say that others have, but she loves the Lord. And so why not call her normal? Instead of saying she's special needs, I told the mom, maybe she's special in a way we're not special. So it goes back to the the standard is Jesus Christ, not the little girl down the street or the little boy on television. So right, right. we people can find other people. Just anybody listening right now knows that there are some people who are willing to at least be the first line of tell me your story and I'll see if I can help you. So I hope that answers Charles's question. Another thing on here that I want to um, interject here is that oftentimes in an environment where people are looking to put a label or looking to to offer an IEP and looking to be the specialist somewhere else for your kid, it's it's very comforting to have an older woman that says, "Ah, uh, no, that's normal," you know. And what your kid really needs to do to learn is self-control. You know, we don't need to put a special needs on that um, outburst or that behavior. If it's not special, if it's very, very normal and sinful and human. Yes. Um, yes. I, I actually was at um, lunch a couple of weeks ago with a, a young family and the mama told the little boy, uh no and that kid just you know slammed himself around pouting and kicking and i thought to myself this is a fine specimen of humanity it's exactly <laughs> normal we have to teach him self-control you know so we can't give that um special um label an excuse an IEP when what they really need is to recognize God's standard, the sin nature, and come to that instead of some other artificial level of um, uh, level or measure of um, standard. And that's a great example because what would an IEP say? Prone to tantrips? Oh, okay. So now what are we going to do? Well, we could drug him. And then he can sit there with a glazed look over his eye and nothing will bother him because he doesn't pay much attention to anything anyway. And then now we have him on the drugs and we've told him he's not really as gifted as other people or whatever it is. And by the time he's older, he doesn't have a high expectation for himself. Right. We have a personal high expectation for our children that they are to be everything God designed them to be. Right. Right. So then, you know, also then they, they get special, um, they get therapy, they get a psychologist, they get family counseling, and there's all kinds of now additional experts that come and have their two cents at, of, um, uh, in criticisms of the family that God has, has made. We don't want to we don't want to invite that unnecessarily. All right. So we have the nanny state providing educational welfare. We already have sort of educational welfare in as much as we confiscate people's property taxes and put them into a school system that they may or may not agree with or they may or may not use. 
So the premise of it is already on very shaky ground. Mm -hmm. Add to that, that you've now placed the experts. And what if you have a change of heart? Now you've accepted the funds, you've accepted the resources. It's a lot harder to cut those strings. The expression is, he who pays the piper calls the tune. So you're not specifically paying the special eds teacher, but somebody is. And since you're not paying it, do you have the ability to say, I don't want this or I do want this? No, we really don't. don't. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No, so that's that's really really uh, scary. Well, we just have a, a few more minutes. Is there something else, you know, that you would, that you would want to toss in here before we uh, wrap up? Okay. Yes. Sometimes people want quick fixes. And mm. a pastor friend of mine used this analogy. You're in a skyscraper that has a hundred stories. You're on floor 38 somebody jumps off the top, the windows don't open where you are, of course you want to save that person. But in order to do so, you'd almost have to have known ahead of time that he was jumping off. So you can't save everybody, right? You can't always, if somebody has a very complicated situation and they quite frankly don't want to give up the resources, they don't want that self-responsibility thing, well, you're not necessarily going to be able to help them. And they may complain and whine and tell you how bad it all is. Who I'm interested in helping, and I know who you're interested in helping, are people who have examined their heart, as you said, and said, wait a second, no, I really want to do this God's way. And then we help you, right? In the process of anybody I've ever done that with, guess what? We also become friends. And we go past how we originally met each other and now we're how we can each serve God in their spheres. And sometimes I can then suggest another person I meet to call that person up and say, she needs to hear from you. She needs to hear that what she's going through is exactly what you went through. Right. Right. There's lots of things to think about. Some, uh, you know, one of the things that in our family we have found to be a real um, consideration that maybe the IEP specialist might not be able to take, uh, may not be able to recognize is the food that we eat. That's another thing that can add to a child's behavior negatively that is that could be identified as 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 part of a part of a a, a problem. And that's something that really, really can only be dealt with at home. So so having those other moms and um, that are looking at alternative and more responsible and resourceful um, ways could be of huge benefit. But I, we don't want anybody to say, my kid is special needs, my kid is um, IEP, so I cannot homeschool. The answer is you can homeschool, and there are folks that can help you. And let me just say one last thing. There are people who might listen to this who have a background in formulating IEPs. And maybe they saw what was good about them and what wasn't good about them. And maybe those people can take their experience and be a sounding board. Um, we're always going to realize that the people we go to for help have certain world and life views. And it's good for us to figure that out. 
But as someone used to say, even a broken clock is right twice a day. So you can learn something from people, even if you don't agree with them in every particular area of life. But this is what community is about. And this is what bearing each other's burdens are about. And I think that's what grows the church and grows the community of believers. So I think it's a win-win, even though it might seem like a struggle in the present. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, very good, Andre. It's been a pleasure. It always is. Looking forward okay. to talking to you again next week. Yes, indeed. And everybody have a good celebration of uh, the 4th of July. And remember that uh, we're truly free, not because of the country we live in, but because of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So let's end this now and we'll see you all next week. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast, holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.